I'm Rachel Perkins, and you're listening to the Nordic Nation podcast on Faster Skier. In early July, the American Berkey Ski Foundation announced the launch of Team Berkey, a new professional training and racing group. Team Berkey would pull from the three primary Midwestern clubs, the Loppet Foundation, Cross Country Skiing, or CXC, and the American Berkey Ski Foundation. While the Midwest has had a strong culture of cross-country skiing with a breadth of youth and masters racing teams, it has been nearly a decade since the area has had a consistent, robust training group that could support athletes at the elite level. In their words, this program fills the gap to allow the next Jesse Diggins to stay home to train, inspire future generations, and win Olympic medals. Team Berkey will be based at the trailhead at Worth Park in Minneapolis, headquarters of the Loppet Foundation, and led by head coach Caitlin Gregg, who has spent her own career training in the area alongside her husband and fellow professional ski racer Brian Gregg. The duo, known as Team Gregg, forged their own path to the upper echelon of domestic and international cross-country race scene, gaining experience in writing their own training and supporting their careers along the way. For those unfamiliar with Caitlin, her resume spans more than a decade of elite ski racing. Caitlin earned her first World Cup starts in Vancouver in 2009 and was slated to start at the Minneapolis World Cup and Canmore World Cup Finals in March 2020 before they were canceled because of the impending pandemic. Those recent starts would have been just over a year after the birth of her daughter Heidi, who is now two and a half years old and can regularly be found tagging along for her parents' training. She is a 2015 World Championship bronze medalist, a 2010 Olympian, and a five-time winner of the American Berkey. Caitlin was also a member of five world championship teams and won eight national championship titles with several more podium finishes. Caitlin is no stranger to disappointment. There have also been near misses for team selection, as was the case for the 2014 Olympics in Sochi and when the 2016 U.S. ski team nominations rolled out. While she does not yet consider herself retired as an athlete, this transition to leading the charge and growing Team Berkey does mark a shift in the focus of her overall career as we discuss in this conversation. Caitlin also speaks to the evolution of the concept behind Team Berkey and the structure of the training group for the upcoming season. She is now one of only two female coaches at her level in the U.S., alongside Peppa Milicheva of the Craftsbury Green Racing Project. And she's the only mother. Caitlin discusses the support this requires and how her career as a whole has provided ample insights that allow her to be a role model for her athletes. Here's the interview. Yeah, it, I wanted to start out with, with talking about the, the um, Team Berkey Elite program and kind of before before diving in with uh, how that evolved, um, just kind of more holistically talking about uh, for a while, it seemed like the elite level skiers, at least with the U.S. ski team, have largely been split between Alaska and Vermont with maybe a handful of skiers and places like Park City or Sun Valley, um, and now there's a program in Bozeman and, and now Team Berkey. Um, and I hope you can kind of talk about the importance of that increasing number and, and kind of uh, locations in terms of postgraduate programs and um, in particular just for the Midwest um, now having this a program like this. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, um, historically – We've seen that the Midwest has a lot of interest in cross-country skiing. We have some really big events here, and obviously the Berkey is um, sort of the headlining event that we have in the Midwest. And um, but we also have a lot of um, 
high school skiing and club skiing here in the Midwest. And so it's, um, it's pretty cool and supported by a large, um, master's, uh, master's involvement as well, you know, at all levels. And so I think that, um, fundamentally we kind of saw that there was, um, yeah, there, there was sort of a hole missing here that myself and Brian and a few others had, you know, been a part of when CXC existed. And, um, and we thought there was quite a bit of opportunity here. Um, but we kind of needed to maybe revisit how the, how the, how the team was, um, how the team was set up and how it kind of operated. And so we came up with a pretty cool, um, a pretty cool idea, which was to kind of take the best of the central region and combine it and really make a central regional team that wasn't just in one particular, um, yeah, wasn't, wasn't just one particular club, let's say it was sort of a collaboration between, um, a lot of the, the big players in the area, which are the Lopit Foundation, uh, Central Cross Country Skiing and the American Bird Combiner Foundation. So, um, so I guess to answer your question, um, I think that the, the strength of the Midwest um, in their youth uh, programming, uh, we see it continue when athletes go on to elite clubs, but they have to go outside the region. And so we were really excited to have an opportunity for athletes who wanted to continue racing here in our region because we feel like that strengthens um, both kind of the youth and the masters and kind of the general, um, excitement for skiing in the long run. Um, so I guess I would say that I think it's a great thing to have more programs around the country because I think it just promotes cross country skiing, keeps the interest alive and kind of brings those, you know, elite athletes trying to make, um, world cups and world championship and Olympic teams, um, kind of visible and, and out there and sharing everything that they're learning and that they're doing with the community. Yeah. Um, what, what are the goals holistically in terms of uh, Team Berkey and, and um, growing that program and um, kind of becoming established as an elite program um, in the next couple of years? Yeah, we, um, I think, you know, first and foremost, we wanted to be a program. We, um, we knew that there was a lot of interest from athletes that we've been you know, that I've worked with either in the summer um, when they were in college or um, just throughout the years, there was a lot of interest in athletes who wanted to be here in the central region and really, um, you know, wanted to keep racing, but felt like they, they really, you know, they maybe went to school elsewhere, maybe elsewhere in the country, maybe not, maybe stayed in the, in the central region, but, you know, they, they had a big goals of, of being able to continue their uh, professional careers here. And so we really wanted to establish something that would support them. And uh, ultimately our goal is to create a program that can help um, the current athletes reach their goals, which are, you know, a number of them are um, top of the super tour, top of nationals, you know, in world cups and hopefully the Olympics. So we run the gamut of, of all of the different, um, the different, I guess, uh, circuits. And, um, and I think that, you know, long-term, hopefully we can create something that inspires kind of those younger athletes who are just in high school now and going to go off to college and then potentially post-collegiately come back or, you know, or join our program too and have that, the same goals. So I think it's similar to all the other programs that you, you know, exist out there. Um, 
but we're hoping that we're already creating kind of excitement around um, the next generation too. So for sure, we're here to support the current group that we have and then also be, um, you know, setting down the foundation for long-term, um, long-term, yeah, athlete dreams and goals. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about the structure of the team in terms of, it looks like you have some athletes that are year round. Um, and then you also have a, a collegiate program, um, which I think is more summer based and you're mentioning, mentioning kind of pulling from, uh, a variety of clubs and, um, maybe partnering with some of the local junior or master's programs. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing, I mean, I think that my biggest goals, um, when we were talking about, uh, getting this team together is that, um, we really wanted to be very accessible. I think my, um, but just from my own personal, um, my own personal goals are that, you know, no, nobody, um, there's no one that can't reach me if they have questions about training, if they have, you know, a need in, in skiing. Um, I want to be, I want to be someone that's accessible and transparent in everything that I have and know. And, um, and so for the team, we have the same, we have the same, um, concept. And so we really hope to represent the entire region. And in that, what we want to be able to do is, um, yeah, reach a number of athletes, no matter where they're based out of or where they're located, but currently and through all different ages. Um, so currently we have a summer program, uh, that's our team Berkey, I would call it collegiate team. And they train alongside our, um, kind of our top team Berkey tier athletes. And, um, so they come to the Midwest, uh, or to the Minneapolis area. Um, a lot of them are from here, which is nice. Um, but we've had some athletes as guests from out of, out of the cities who came and trained with us for a week or two. Um, but they, uh, basically train alongside our, our pro team, um, throughout the summer and then, uh, return back to school when they're done. And, um, and then we also have a master's group. So these are master skiers who have, you know, goals of racing, um, at different levels and, uh, different length races, but also train alongside our elite athletes and try to fit it into their schedules the best they can. And um, I think it makes for a really fun mix. And I think it makes for um, a really good training group. And And I like it because everyone pushes everyone, no matter what their goals are, what their backgrounds are. And um, I think it brings uh, a real fun chemistry to our to our team. Yeah. And where did this idea come about in terms of, can you talk a little bit about the evolution of you know, creating something like this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, again, we, this isn't a new concept. Like we've had, uh, in fact, a team Berkey program in the, in the, in the past, um, even before my time as a racer. And then we had a CXC program that both myself and Brian, um, my husband were a part of. And, um, and so this isn't like a, a new idea or concept or anything like that. Uh, for the region. I think that what's different is that we are, although we're a regional program, we are um, predominantly based out of the Twin Cities right now. And so we've had different iterations of the program based in Duluth or based in Hayward or based in, I guess one was maybe based in the Twin Cities before, but others were based in Marquette. Um, and and so this is sort of uh, the first time that we've really um, sort of been predominantly in the Twin Cities. And I think that um, we, yeah, we have a lot of strength here in the Twin Cities right now with, um, with the Lopet Foundation connection and, um, and the opportunity for athletes to 
have jobs and to have other things going on and just the ease of travel. And then we can take advantage of the other areas in the region like Hayward, like Duluth, like Marquette and, and Madison for training camps and um, yeah, for, for different resources. Um, but I think that the first and foremost biggest thing that we wanted to accomplish was that uh, Brian and I were getting to the end of our careers and we still have a huge passion for skiing and for seeing especially uh, the Midwest region that has done so much for us. We really wanted to see the Midwest region shine and have kind of a, a team that again was shooting for the highest level. And so I think that was really cool opportunity in the fact that we were, um, although we were kind of going in a new direction with our own ski careers, we still really wanted to give back and, and kind of help, I guess, pass on all of the knowledge and all of the um, experiences that we've had and kind of help the next generation. Um, you know, the, the goal would be make it, make it easier for them because we've learned so much through trial and error and um, yeah, and kind of continue continue passing on that torch, if you will. And so there was an opportunity kind of now and yeah, it, it was kind of like a, it, it needs to happen sooner than later. And, uh, and so it was pretty cool that we could capitalize on, on that excitement that we had to have something like this get, get started. Can you talk about um, stepping into that role of head coach? I know that you've been doing some coaching over the last few years. And can you just talk a little bit about that evolution um, of, of becoming a coach and, and uh, working with different groups? And, um, and maybe also what's the structure like in terms of you said that you have two assistant coaches. So, uh, yeah, what are kind of the different roles that people are playing and all that? Yeah, um, we uh, so. So head coach, I've, like you said, I've been coaching for a number of years and I've coached our summer program for the Lopit Foundation for a number of years and worked with athletes. Um, last year, um, we had a number of athletes who stayed in the Twin Cities area because um, they couldn't compete for their uh, their collegiate teams uh, just due to some uh, just COVID-related factors. And so they stayed and decided to keep racing and keep training and they joined our group. And so there was a need to kind of keep something going beyond just the college, uh, college summer program that we had. And we found a lot of success, um, with that. And that was sort of a, like a little bit of a kind of piecemeal together, um, team, if you will. But we had an athlete, um, Renee Anderson who qualified for U23s and she really, uh, was a huge, um, promoter of the idea that, we really needed to, to form a team. She had a great time and she felt like she made huge gains. And, um, so she really kind of got the ball rolling for us and, you know, it, it, it worked out that, um, that I was, you know, I was a candidate to be the head coach. And the truth is though, that we have a lot of really good qualified people here in the twin cities. And so my, I call them my co-coaches really more than assistant coaches, but we also have, um, Leo Hip and Jeremy Hecker. And so Leo is a graduate of Northern Michigan University, and he was uh, just finishing up his master's degree last year in exercise science, and he was the graduate assistant coach there. So he comes in with a lot of knowledge um, and a lot of uh, really good um, both education in, in the area, 
but just experience working with athletes um, and working with some of the athletes that are on our current team, which is really cool. And then Jeremy also has a master's in exercise science, and um, he currently works for Pioneer Midwest in their service department. And I think that for us and for myself, even coming into the role as kind of the organizer and um, developer of the team, I think what I really, really wanted to do was create a really solid um group of coaches, again, co-coaches is how I like to refer to it, that, um, you know, that we work together well and that we all kind of bring something, something to the table. And, and I think that, you know, each of us has an area that we really shine in and, and that makes me feel really good about where we're going and what we're doing. Um, so right now, uh, these other coaches, you know, again, we're looking at all different, all different areas for the athletes and how they can excel. And, uh, it's been really, yeah, it's been a really good experience so far. And so, uh, I think in the areas that maybe I am a little bit newer to, like, uh, I don't have as much confidence, let's say in maybe classic technique, <laughs> I feel pretty good about skate technique, but when it comes to classic technique and some of the, um, fine tuning of maybe, you know, some of the athletes who are really, really good classic skiers, and we're looking for really small details of their technique to, to change. I feel like both Jeremy and Leo can really step into that, that position that I feel a little bit more nervous about and and they really can can shine and and I love that so much and um and then yeah I think that that's just a perfect example but it kind of goes on from there so it's been fun for me it's been an um how would I say yeah I've definitely been I've definitely been nervous I feel like I'm way more nervous uh coaching other people than I was when I was coaching myself <laughs> and I think that's a good thing though I mean I think it you need to have a little bit of like uh yeah a little bit of of uh I don't know, maybe just, I'm not, I, I'm confident, but I'm, I'm not by any means feeling like I know everything. And so I think that it's been a good, a good balance for sure. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask about, um, so thinking about kind of the, the women's ski coaching association and, um, I think you're now one of two female head coaches at this level. Yeah. Um, and you're the only mother coaching at that level. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping you can kind of comment on on that in terms of what it means to you to be, you know, setting an example like that for women in the sport um, and also just sort of what, what that's been like for you in terms of, um, you know, whether it's coaching while also raising a small child um, or just being, you know, stepping into the, into a role like this um, as as a minority in terms of, um, yeah, just, just being a, a woman in that position. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things that when I was talking to Piotr Bednarski, who is our director of sport at the Lopet foundation, you know, one thing that he really wanted to emphasize is this concept that, you know, as a, I think it's, I think it has been more common for ski coaches to be viewed as, um, yeah, as maybe, uh, he kind of said like the nomad lifestyle, right? Like you're, you kind of are able to be on the road for a long period of time and you're not really tied down and, you know, et cetera to whatever that means. But I think that, you know, ultimately I kind of come from the complete opposite standpoint, which is, yeah, I'm married, I have a child. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, there's a ton of other pressures as, um, as a mom that, that, you know, trying to balance the whole equation there that come into play but that it is possible. And, and I think it, I think it's really, um, really important because again, just as the women's ski 
coaches association wants to point out women women in sport are are necessary and in the coaching role i should say are necessary and we bring um a different perspective to everything which is why i think again having myself and my two co two co-coaches is um is such a good team um but at the same time i mean i'm super grateful because we bring Heidi to a lot of practices and to, uh, we just had her at our, uh, altitude training camp and, uh, and the athletes are just so awesome. I mean, they, they embrace having, having a toddler around running around, uh, the training camp with open arms and, uh, we're super grateful for that. So I think that it's, it's possible. Um, it takes a lot of balance and it takes a lot of time for sure, but, uh, but we're, we're having a great time. And I think, uh, Heidi hasn't had, Heidi has had a great time herself, and yeah, so there's been no sacrifice on that side, which is pretty cool. That's good. Can you talk a little bit more about just the support that that requires, whether it's sort of like encouragement from, you know, your employer, um, <laughs> or just like, you know, make it like your athletes, um, your your the athletes that you're coaching and, and your partner, <laughs> like what, yeah. what role does support from all those different areas play in terms of supporting your career? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Brian obviously is a big part of that. I mean, he takes on, you know, a lot when, um, if there's a day or something where I'm working a ton and I need to really do a lot of office work and, and we have childcare in the morning, but we don't have childcare in the afternoon. And so, you know, he might have to come back from work and grab Heidi and, you know, take her out to the park or somewhere like that. Um, and so he definitely, uh, you know, pulls, pulls a lot of the, the slack when, um, when needed, which is very appreciated. Uh, but I would also say, you know, we try to be as creative as possible. So Heidi comes to strength sessions with us. We can put her into, um, like a stroller and, you know, she can come for runs with the team. And, um, you know, we've had a great, (laughs) I think we've, we've all gotten a great, a great giggle out of, you know, having certain days where we might go for a run and we know there's some pretty fast athletes and it's just an easy, an easy run and we'll say, Hey, today your, your extra, your extra load is, is pushing Heidi in the stroller or, or, you know, we'll have, um, I don't know, we'll just, we'll kind of make something cute out of it. And, and I think that it's been, uh, yeah, everyone's been super, super flexible and kind of looks at it like it's a, it's a fun part of, again, the team Berkey kind of atmosphere and what it's about. And, um, yeah, and we've also been super fortunate because we've had some great, um, great support from, um, different people to watch Heidi on the weekends and so forth if we're um, outside of our normal nanny hours in the morning. So that's been, that's been really helpful. And uh, yeah, it's, we've been feeling pretty lucky and again, feeling grateful for yeah the employers saying this is possible and we believe in these guys. And so that's been good. Yeah. Do you have a high and a low of navigating that experience? <laughs> like a, a high point and a low point? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, okay, so high point is like when we were at our training camp in Bozeman and we were at a high, it was like an altitude camp and it was, um, we were staying in the dorms and, uh, it was pretty cute. We were getting ready for bed and, um, it was a little bit hot. And so we had like the doors propped open and the fans going and I, I came back from brushing my teeth in the evening and I came into the room and I looked at Brian and I said, you know, where's, where's Heidi? <laughs> and he said, oh, I thought she was with you. And we were, you know, we were like, oh my goodness, where did she go? And we were the only, we were like the only people in the dorms at that time. We we're at the MSU dorms. And so we kind of looked around and we found her hanging out with all of the, 
all of the athletes in the little like hangout area where they have like a TV and they're watching the Olympics. And I just, I don't know, it was really heartwarming for me because I feel like they really totally embraced the fact that they're at a training camp and, you know, they're hanging out playing ping pong or, you know, playing, playing Settlers of Catan and they just didn't even skip a beat for them. Just all of a sudden kind of let Heidi, let Heidi hang out with them and give her attention and play with her. And I don't know, that kind of warms my heart. It makes me feel like they (laughs) kind of liked having a toddler there. And it was, yeah, it was a real positive positive moment for me. And then a low would be, um, you know, she's, uh, she's two and a half. And so she definitely has her low point. She's in general, she's generally a pretty chill kid, which is great. Um, but every now and then, you know, there will be a moment where she kind of, um, yeah, she kind of, uh, uh, is a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I to say it nicely. Yeah. Absolutely. is like screaming. And I know like I've tried to have some, some phone conversations with like Leo or Jeremy and, you know, we're talking about planning and, you know, just different, different things for the year, different things for the week of training and et cetera, talking about, you know, what we're, what, what we're going to be working on. And Heidi is just screaming in the background. And I think to myself, like, oh man, <laughs> this, is, this is a lot. And I'm yeah. really, again, grateful that Leo just kind of keeps, keeps talking and kind of is like, oh, sounds a little busy over there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is, so there's definitely, yeah, I mean, that's not terrible or anything like that, but I'm always, you know, I'm like, oh, this is probably not ideal. But again, everyone has been super supportive and seems like they, yeah, they, they just they get it it's kind of how how we roll so that's kind of cool I think yeah for sure um thinking back kind of tying things back to your own career in terms of your ski career um for those who are unfamiliar can you kind of walk through your own journey to becoming an elite skier um you know the the condensed version of what that looked like um and then maybe what it has been like without always having that established elite training group around you in the midwest yeah um the condensed version is i started skiing pretty late uh like a junior in high school and then um went to northern michigan university and competed for them and then moved to the cities when i graduated Worked with Piotr Bednarski, who, again, is now the director of Lopet Sport here for the Lopet Foundation. Um, and then CXC started about a year later. And CXC, the, excuse me, the, the elite team. So joined the CXC elite team and really enjoyed um, being a part, just kind of, as you mentioned, of, a, of like a, an elite program that allowed, you know, year-round training and racing and really offered the support behind that um, and, uh, and so I thought that that was really beneficial and learned a ton, um, from that experience from Brian fish. And then, um, I think just like, uh, kind of in summary, I think one of the harder things for me was that, um, you know, it was after college and I was 25 turning 26. And at that time I was, I was kind of told that I was, a little, I was too old for the national team. And so that kind of set me into a, a tough position where I wasn't a part of the national team and, and couldn't be supported, but I really had some great, um, some great years and, and, and met a lot of my goals. Um, but financially it was really, really challenging. And so, you know, suddenly what was awesome in terms of support and getting to that next level wasn't enough support to kind of continue to like compete at that next level. And so that was really something that I kind of felt like we could do, we could do better, um, you know, with 
with our new program and something that I really have written into that uh, kind of into our support and into our funding. And that's, again, kind of taking what we've learned and kind of the trials and errors and, and saying like, okay, how can we make sure that athletes who qualify for international competitions um, are, are supported well and can, and can get there and, and make the most of it. Um, and so, yeah, so my, uh, Brian and I, we, uh, we kind of set off on our, on our own with team Greg, kind of with the idea of, um, being able to fundraise and to get that support that we needed, um, on our own. And at that point we felt, I felt really confident in writing training and, um, and we were really, really fortunate in getting a lot of whack support from a, a lot of different people and felt like that was, that was absolutely, um, yeah, a huge part of our success. And, uh, and so again, we kind of learned through, through the years, what, you know, what it takes and what, what needs to happen. And, um, I think all of that time that we were a part of our, you know, of, of CXC or a part of other programs, we learned so much, um, we worked with so many great coaches and then having to kind of do a lot of the background work on our own too really kind of taught us a lot about the process. And so that really set us up well to now, um, you know, for myself, be able to, to feel, feel like we know what it takes um, for the, yeah, for the most part, we hope, I guess, yeah. <laughs> to, to have our own team. So that's kind of my, my career in a nutshell. Yeah. And where do you see yourself in terms of your own ski career at this point? Like, are you, do you still consider yourself to be training um, and, and hoping to compete? Um, yeah, I'm definitely not retired. Okay. Um, I definitely, I think it's this, you know, one thing that I say all the time is, I mean, and I think all my athletes definitely sense this is that like, I wake up every morning and I'm like psyched to go out and train and, and psyched to ski and roller ski. And, uh, I definitely just love the sport so much. Um, and so I feel like I'm actually at a really good place because I'm still really, really fired up. And I think I bring that to practice every day. Like I'm really, really excited. Um, but I think that, you know, for me, uh, I kind of want to now I'm starting to like really, really embrace this idea that I can like take all of my excitement and my, and like what I've, you know, I guess learned and, and what I've, um, yeah, kind of experienced over the years and be able to share that with the next generation of athletes and hopefully help them reach their goals. And that's becoming even cooler for me, if that makes sense. Um, so we just had a 3k time trial and the athletes just absolutely crushed. And like, I left feeling so, so proud. And that was like really, really cool for me, uh, to experience. Whereas like, you know, it's fun to do well in a race. And I've always had like, like, it's amazing to have Brian and I've had, you know, a really cool relationship where the both of us were racing at a high level, which is sometimes unusual. And, uh, for, for a husband and wife, not completely unheard of, cause obviously like Sophie and Simi and other couples race too. Um, but, uh, you know, and that always brought its own kind of element to that, but it was really cool to see kind of the larger, um, yeah, a large group and like an entire group and like people really, uh, setting PRs and just all of a sudden it's like a whole new world of, of finding like, um, yeah, finding that like goal or reaching that goal in, uh, in coaching, which is kind of, kind of exciting and new in a way. So, yeah. yeah. 
um, how do you set goals for yourself at this point in your ski career and how has that <laughs> evolved with time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, well, it's, I'm always really, uh, I, I just love racing. And so I think we talked about this before, but like, I always have these, you know, like I always set these new goals for myself. So I'm always, you know, saying like, oh, this is like a PR for me after having a, you know, after having a kid or this is a PR for me, you know, as a 40 year old or, you know, like I'm always like kind of like tweaking things and being like, ooh, look, it's like a, it's a new, new marker and this and that and, and keeping it fun. And, um, and then, uh, but now as a coach, you know, setting goals, um, yeah, I really, I really do feel like uh, for me, I want to, I want to be a coach that, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, parts to coaching and I'm learning more about it every day. And, um, but I think that, you know, ultimately I try to think back to what I wanted in a coach and what I was really looking for. And I try to kind of hold myself to the level that I expected from my coaches. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And so in terms of setting goals, I think that's a really good question because I guess I haven't really sat down and specifically thought about it in terms of like coaching goals. I like that a lot. Um, but I definitely feel like I, I know that, um, yeah, I know where I felt like I could really use some support and where I could, you know, where I maybe didn't need support and, and really trying to like look at, um, each athlete as an individual and kind of learning who they are as people and really trying to help each of them, um, individually reach whatever their, whatever their goals are, whether it's in skiing or in life, et cetera, and, and making it a positive experience as best I can and, um, hoping they walk away still loving the sport and still wanting to be a part of it. So, yeah, I think that you bring up a good point. I should write down some goals because I'm pretty goal oriented. Um, but yeah, but back to uh, in terms of my skiing. Uh, so I now I do um, I do a lot of Strava. I like yeah. <laughs> I like I love Strava, and I joke with the kids a lot about that. Um, and that's kind of fun for me. And um, I definitely still like jumping in races. I think I always like racing, um, but I do really want to focus uh, on the athletes, and so. Um, I do think that in the come winter time, you know, my goal is to help them reach their levels no matter what. And so I've asked the athletes, you know, and kind of mm, said that I, I, I would love to be able to jump in one race this year and what that race is. I'm not really sure yet, but, um, but for sure, I want to make sure that the athletes are all on, on a solid platform and, and it doesn't interrupt any of their, um, preparations or performances, at all. So it has to kind of fit into a really kind of special niche situation where, yeah, it's either an off weekend or they're all taken care of, or, you know, there has to really kind of be a certain, yeah, special, special circumstance, but, um, I can definitely guarantee that it will be a skate race. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, I still really like skating better than classic, but yeah. So so that's where I'm at. So I'm not retired and I definitely would be interested in doing like high level racing still. Um, in fact, I feel great training now because I think I've reduced my training. I'm in a unique spot where I've reduced my training hours. Oh my gosh. Probably, uh, maybe six, no, excuse me, 40%. Okay. okay. And, um, but I still jump in some intensity sessions. It's still actually my favorite are, are still the intensity workouts. And, um, yeah. And so, 
yeah, despite everything going going on, I still have 20 something years of training underneath me. And so I can carry that through. And um, yeah, so I've been feeling I've been feeling actually really good myself. And so it would be fun to jump in a race and kind of see see where I'm at. And I like I like to kind of keep keep everyone guessing too a little bit. Yeah. So it's fun. Um, you talked a little bit about just, you know, as, um, as you guys moved away from CXC and just the, the challenge of kind of supporting yourselves financially, um, to take next steps in your career as sort of being a little bit of a setback initially. Um, and that's certainly not the only setback you've experienced as an athlete. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how you think that maybe the perspective you've gained from some of those experiences in your career will help you as a coach and a mentor? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, you know, um, if anything, kind of looking back and at those experiences, I think like the thing, the part that stands out the most to me is that, you know, really you can't let, you can't let, uh, I guess, how do I want to describe this? I think that for me, in order to feel like I, I fully embraced my, my career and, and did the most of my career was that like, I really wanted to be the one that said, you know, this is, this is when I'm done in a way. And I didn't want it to be, you know, coaches saying like, you're, you know, you're too old. And so your career should be over or, you know, don't you want to have a family? So your career should be over. And, um, you know, or saying like, you don't have, you know, you don't come from, um, you know, parents with, with financial resources to support you, your career should be over. And that's something that I really, you know, want to get behind because I feel like, you know, athletes come from all different situations and at all different times in their lives. And, you know, with all kinds of, um, yeah, other obligations, whether it's work or family, et cetera. And that, you know, ultimately I, I kind of wanted to embrace the idea that it's, it's all, it's all my decision. If I, you know, if I have goals and I have dreams that I believe in myself, that, anything is possible. And so I think that one thing that I really want to pass on is that, you know, we can be creative and we can be resourceful and no matter what the challenge is in front of us, we can, we can work through it and, um, we can, we can make kind of, you know, that cliche statement kind of, um, lemonade out of lemons. And so I think that for myself kind of going through that, I, yeah, I really learned a lot, um, in terms of, you know, how to be resourceful, how to think outside the box, how to really, accomplish, um, yeah, accomplish, you know, what I wanted to, um, with totally, you know, totally not, I wouldn't say unique. There are other athletes that share this, um, some, some, you know, very similar, uh, scenarios, but I think that just, you know, kind of coming, coming at things with a little bit of a, a different approach. And, um, yeah, I think that ultimately that's kind of what I like about what I like about, um, where I'm at now is that, you know, again, everyone's an individual and everyone has different, um, different goals and different backgrounds and, and kind of figuring out how do we, how do we make the most of it and how do we be creative and resourceful and, and kind of teach the athletes that same resi- resilience is kind of what comes to mind. Um, the last thing I have for you is, uh, just kind of thinking about, um, how long you've been in the sport for, like you mentioned, kind of having, having 20 years of training, yeah. <laughs> um, you've been in the sport for a very long time. Um, and we're definitely seeing, I think, female athletes accomplishing amazing things at ages that were maybe previously thought of as being past their prime. Um, 
And it's not necessarily easy kind of thinking physically, emotionally, financially to sustain that level of training and racing for so long. Uh, and I feel like it really requires sort of a, a part, you know, really a healthy mind and body first and foremost. Um, and in an age where we're seeing kind of impacts of, of mental health and conditions like Red S and uh, female athlete triad and those kinds of things where people are maybe, you know, burning out pretty early or, or, um, just not, not staying in sport. Um, I think it's really great to have examples of people who have, who have stayed in, um, as long as you have and, and have stayed healthy throughout their careers. Um, and I'm just wondering what are some of the factors that you feel like you have contributed to that durability in terms of your ability to stay in the sport at such a high level for, for as long as you have. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I think some, I mean, and, and you hear this a lot, um, you know, when you read, um, I mean, there's so much in, in the news right now about, you know, mental health and um, all, everything you've mentioned, women in sport, women um, or athletes, you know, older athletes and, and continuing their careers or younger athletes ending their careers, um, you know, um, parents in sport. And I think that first and foremost, um, I, I absolutely love skiing. And I think that that's really been kind of the foundation for me is that I had some really incredible coaches, um, when I first, uh, started getting into sport that really helped foster, um, a love of, of just the sport. And, um, I also had really good coaches that helped foster, um, a love to, uh, to push, myself and to, and to enjoy the process of racing and to not look at racing as, um, as like a single, a single snapshot of, and you, and you read a lot about this, but like of, of who I am, like the results aren't who I am. And you, you hear that a lot when people write about it, but I think it is really important that you believe that and you understand that. And I think that if you talk to, to Brian, you know, the results, um, yeah, no matter, no matter what the race is, I never, I never really, um, I never really step away from a race. Um, I guess disappointed in the results. Like I definitely always think about, um, Oh man, I wish, I wish I could have done that better or, you know, and it's, it's, it's definitely something that I've, I've probably had to learn over the years, but I feel like for me, the, the, the truth is, is that, you know, I, I just, I just like the idea of getting out and pushing myself with other people too in racing. And no matter what, even, you know, I've said this before, but I plan to do the Berkey and, you know, I'll probably keep going backwards in the results, but <laughs> it's still fun for me and it's still exciting and it still brings um, new challenges. I mean, every year, you know, there's, there's something that's going to be tricky to kind of navigate and, and make it, you know, harder to do, but I just, I just love it. And I think that, ultimately it, it really stems from, um, you know, it's, it's all, it's my parents weren't cross country skiers and, and it's not something that, um, you know, I guess I had a lot of pressure to be, um, to do. So in a lot of ways, I think it all, it all kind of was my own, my own journey. And I think that I, um, yeah, I just like, 
have a love for, for the sport and for the competition. And that's kind of been something that's helped me really kind of stay grounded and, and enjoy it throughout, no matter what the results were. And I think that that's helped immensely, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is there anything physically that you think has just kept you healthy for as long as, as long as you've been? <sighs> that's a good question. Um, hmm. You know, I think, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, because I've definitely had my share of injuries, but they, I seem to be pretty, um, pretty fortunate that they haven't, um, derailed, derailed. And I think that that's something else to kind of remember is that like, there are times where you're going to have an injury or something that, you know, like kind of is a, uh, like for me in my hamstring injury, you know, I maybe will never run as fast as I have in the past, but it doesn't seem to affect my skiing too much. And, um, and I feel like, you know, really grateful for that. But I also kind of spend a lot of time kind of learning about how to work around things. And I think we've seen other athletes do similar things. But for me, um, yeah, I think kind of embracing it and looking always, always looking at like the, the kind of being optimistic and saying, well, what, what is this new, you know, what does this present? And so maybe in that light, um, it's like that mindset of, you know, I, I hurt my hamstring. This is horrible. <laughs> What's going to happen? but wait a minute, now I really have to focus on, you know, glute exercises and, oh, wait, that's actually really good. And that helps a ton of other things that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have otherwise been as tuned into. And so I think that that kind of mentality and attitude, again, that kind of like resourcefulness and resilience has been helpful um, in all areas. And so then again, you know, maybe that's what it was, is this idea that like, whenever you face um, like a roadblock or a hurdle, if you kind of learn to work around it, then suddenly it kind of just becomes part of the entire picture and you can kind of work through those things um, easier and easier when they come up again. You can find Caitlin on Instagram at Caitlin Gregg with two G's and follow along with Team Berkey at Team Berkey. Find links to relevant articles and more in our show notes at fasterskier.com. Thanks for listening.